Right, morning. It's great to see a good turnout this morning. When I arrived this morning, it was just the sound team, and I thought we'd just be preaching to the choir. So it's nice to have a bit of a fuller house on the last day of the year. So exciting, eh? 2024 tomorrow. We, we've had family with us the whole week, and we're heading off, the four of us, into the Klein Karoo tomorrow to go and put our feet up and just relax and do nothing and play katan and board games and swim. So we'll be relaxing from, from tomorrow as well. But before that, I just want to stretch you a little bit, stretch your maths brains a little bit for the last day of the year. I'm, an, I'm a numbers guy. I'm in finance and I enjoy maths. That's how I made my money as a student, tutoring matrix um, uh, and high school students. So, Ruben, can you do one more maths lesson for the year? So how many days are there in a year? Some of you are thinking, well, that depends. How many days in next year? 366 next year, yeah. So 2024 is a leap year. And why do we have leap years? Of course, how long does the Earth take to orbit the Sun? Not exactly 365 days. It actually takes 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and 45 seconds. So that is 365.24219 days that it, on average, if you just work to five decimals. So it's also not exactly 365.25. If it was, then the leap year would correct it perfectly every time. So the way you know when it's a leap year is if the year is divisible by, by four. So the year 2000, the year 2020, the year 2024. If the number is divisible by four without getting a decimal, then you know it's going to be a leap year. But if we had a leap year every single four years, then it would overcorrect itself, right? Because I've just said now it's a little bit less than a quarter of a year that, that it takes extra to the 365. And every four years is giving you a full quarter. So then every few hundred years, you would have to then correct it again. So the way it works is if the year, now you've got to listen, okay, listen properly. If, if the year is divisible by 100, then it's not a leap year. Unless it is divisible by 400, then it is a leap year. So the year 1900 was not a leap year, right? Some of our grandparents and great-grandparents would have been alive in the year 1900. That was not a leap year. Johan wasn't alive yet, no. And the year 2100, where many of our little ones will be alive in the year 2100, that will also not be a leap year, even though it's divisible by four. But then the year 2,400 will be. Do you follow that? Okay, so the general rule for our lifetime is it's, if it's divisible by four, we're, we're safe. Then we should be fine. So what that means is um, by them leaving out those years that are divisible by 100, it pretty much keeps in line until about the year 5,000. Then they will have to consider whether they add in an extra leap day year to correct it. So I don't think we have to worry about that now because that's in over 3,000 years' time. But interesting, when, when this started in the year 46 BC, and I talk BC, not BCE, in the year 46 BC, they had a 445-day year because they had this problem where they were getting out of sync. And of course, if you don't correct it, then your year moves and you start having your seasons at the wrong time. So they had a correction year in, in 445, and Julius Caesar then brought in the Julian calendar, and he brought in the leap years, and that's what we've got at the moment. hope you found that interesting. Not not all people find maths interesting. Uh, what's the? Who knows what BCE stands for now? Before the Common Era. So people are now, instead of saying before Christ, they're saying before the Common Era. So they're trying to dilute BC as well. 
Okay, so what's the importance of the leap year? I, would, I thought it's an interesting topic because when you think ahead and you think, right, 2024 has got an extra year, but I was wondering what, e- what emotion, sorry, 2020, extra year, extra day. 2024 has got an extra day, not an extra year. So what, e- what emotion does that evoke in you? Does it invoke, evoke excitement to say, I've got an extra day. I can go for an extra run and I can get extra work done and I can go and evangelize for an extra day and I can pray for an extra day. Or does it scare you to think, oh, I've got an extra day of work. Or February is normally the month where I try and catch up my budget a bit and now I've got an extra day that I've got to feed my family and I've got to drive and use petrol and stuff. So I thought it's an interesting topic to just, just reflect, for each of us to reflect and say, what is our view on this extra day that we've got in 2024? Does it scare me or does it excite me? So I want to talk about a journey today. And the journey, I'm going to, the passage in the Bible I'm going to look at is Joshua 1. You remember I spoke a few weeks ago when I was leading, I spoke about why we call Joshua generation. And it's because Joshua then led that younger generation into the promised land. And it starts in the book of Joshua. In Joshua 1, Moses had just died. And Joshua then takes over leading. And God now places Joshua. And God gives, gives him promises in terms of leading the people. Um, so I want to just look at that and relate it to a journey because 2024 is going to be part of our journey. Our whole life is a journey and each year is a part of that journey. So let's let's have a look at the Israelites. Anina, if we can put that up please. Birthday goal from Friday. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I am giving to them, the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this land, sorry, you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Right, so what do we consider when we're going on a journey? I think some of you have just got back from holidays, some are going on holiday. What are the important things that you consider for a journey? Direction. Sorry, directions. Anything? Accommodation, right, where you're going to end up. Undies. <laughs> yeah, being prepared. Thank you. That's code for being prepared. You guys check your car before you go. Yeah, you check your car, check your tires, check your engine, all that sort of thing. 
So we make sure that we, we know where we're going and that we are prepared. So did the Israelites know where they were going? We can put up verse 3 and 4 again, please, if you can. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So they, God told them exactly where they were going. He was leading them into the promised land. So part of our journey is knowing exactly where we're going. So we need to consider that in our spiritual walk as well. Do we know where we're going? And of course, when you're mapping out your journey, you look at your end destination. You say, right, I'm going to end up in Port Elizabeth, but I'm going via here and I'm buying here. And you kind of map out your, your more um, fine route along the way. So what is our end, end destination is knowing that we saved. So at the, end, at the last day of 2023 now, we need to be, first of all, above everything else, the most important decision we ever make, are we saved? Are we 100% certain of our salvation? And are we helping others as well to be certain of their salvation? Are we going to do that in 2024 where we reach out to people and make people certain of their salvation? All right, so that's number one. Secondly, what about our, what do we do between birth and death? What is our calling? What has God asked me to do or us to do when we are on earth? Are we seeking God for that? Do we know what God wants us to achieve in our 70, 80, 90 years that we've got on earth? Are you challenging yourself on that? I just want to encourage you as you go into the new year, you know, be certain of your salvation, be seeking God for what He wants from you for your life, and then what for 2024? So 2024 is one leg of that journey. And what does God want from you for that leg of your journey? So we mustn't waste, we've only got 70, 80, 90 years. We've got to use that time that, that's been given us. And 2024 is a whole year out of that. And what are we seeking God for what He wants us to achieve in that period? So an example of that was um, a year and a half ago, we went to Sutherland. We <laughs> I think they know what's coming. Um, we, wanted, we had a, a planned a, a snow and a star holiday. So we wanted to do Cirrus and Sutherland. So our first stop was in Cirrus, but we knew our end destination would be in Sutherland. And then we left the serious accommodation. We heard there was snow on the mattress bag. So we went up and we saw beautiful snow. And we built a snowman and froze our hands. And then I realized you don't have to come back to Worcester onto the N1. But you can actually go directly from the mattress bag to Sutherland on a road called the R356. At your own peril if you don't have a 4x4. So we set out in our Qashqai dirt road for over 100 kilometers. Um, it was a wet winter, wet and cold winter, so that road was full of mud. We were sliding on the road, so we had to drive very carefully. We got stuck at one point, two points. I remember us putting rocks under, the, it was the four of us. I remember putting rocks under the wheels. We put Gina behind the wheel, and the three of us pushed it up. Or mom behind the wheel, put one of the ladies behind the wheel. They'll correct my story as we go. Most of it is a blur. It's just, just two hours of prayer. <laughs> yeah, so we managed to push ourselves out. We had mud up to here from, from pushing ourselves out of the mud. Then you get to these little crossings as well, these little stream crossings. And now you don't know if you must go fast over or if you must go slow over it. Because you could get stuck there, but some of them are concrete there. And you hit it at pace, then you, 
uh, you can damage the car. So it was be careful. So the, the moral of the story is be careful when you plan your route. You know your end destination, but be careful about how you get there. And, okay, we learned stuff out of it, and it taught us teamwork, and we certainly improved our prayer life in those two hours as well. Um, but it was stressful, and it did cause a little bit of damage to the car. So 2024 is a leg of our journey. What Are we seeking God for what He wants? Are we making sure that we're making good choices and the right route for 2024 and not taking the R356? Okay, so where am I going is one thing. Am I prepared? Is my car sorted out? Do I have the right clothes packed in? If we can go back to verse uh, 5, please. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Carry on. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. Carry on. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So they had God with him. That was their preparedness. Now, when we're going on a trip, we need to make sure the car is ready and so on. But how are we preparing our spiritual walk? Are we making sure that we're seeking God, that we've got God with us when we're going along our spiritual walk? So one analogy I like is that the Bible is like a map and the Holy Spirit is our GPS. So the Bible is, you don't go beyond the, the boundaries of your map. Right? So the Bible, we stay within the boundaries and we know exactly where we're going within the bigger context of the Bible. But on a daily basis, we don't open the Bible every hour to see now where should we be going. But we've got the Holy Spirit as our GPS that guides us with the day to day. So that's you know, most of the most of you are young here, so you've never had to drive with a map book on the seat next to you. But we used to drive with those street finders, we never had GPS. But now we've got a GPS that you just switch on and it tells you where to go. And the Holy Spirit is like our GPS. The Holy Spirit we can connect with all the time and He can guide us on that journey of life. And it's not limited to Sundays and Wednesdays and quiet times at 6 in the morning. It's continually through the day that we have got the Holy Spirit with us and He can guide us in what we're doing. And then the third area is what I mentioned earlier in my testimony is we've got people around us as well. Because often we can almost look for what we want in the Bible. If we're smart enough, we can say, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to go to Port Elizabeth. And I started, asked Joy, I started seeing signs about Port Elizabeth. I saw this and I spoke to someone and she was from Port Elizabeth. I think it's a sign, you know. And we start seeing things that aren't there. And that's why we've got people around us that can just ground us and say, no, but I think, I think you're seeing something that's not there. I think this is what God's saying. Or have you done this? Or have you prayed into this? So, and you have, of course, in a, in, a, in a car journey, you've got those people in the car with you as well, which can be good, but it can also be painful when you've got people that are backseat drivers and passenger drivers. But it can also be useful. So sometimes um, the person next to you might have been on that road before. If I had someone sitting next to me that had done the R356 before, then it could have been quite different as well. If you've ever taken someone home 
then they give you perfect directions. Now you don't have to put your GPS on. They just they sit next to you and they say, turn left here, go to the third circle, turn right. Uh, so it's very useful when we've had people that have walked a similar road before and they know exactly where to go. Right, then we also have the promise of God with us. So some people will read this and say, but yeah, but that promise to be strong and courageous and I'll always be with you, that was specifically for the Israelites at that time. That's not relevant for us now. But we see those promises throughout Scripture. If we look at the Gospel according to Matthew, he starts in, in Matthew one twenty three, where he talks about Emmanuel, God is with us. We might have just been through that now with some of the Christmas readings. And at the end, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, I am with you always. So those same promises that God gave to the Israelites, we've got those same promises that God is always with us. And then the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 5 to 6, that you can put up for me, please. So that here the writer is actually referencing back to Joshua chapter 1. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's actually going back to, to Joshua chapter 1 that we just looked at. All right, so Joshua and his team, they've now set off. They're heading off to the promised land and God is giving them victory over victory as they go. And then something very interesting happens in Joshua chapter 10, if we can put that up. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There had been no day like it before or since, when the Lord obeyed the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So what happened there is the sun actually stopped. It's almost like a bit of a leap here, if you think about it, where Joshua said, God, we need to beat these guys. And God gave them more daylight than normal, where he actually stopped the sun, and they were able to, to overcome the enemy. So that is just the reliance and that Joshua had on God. We actually called out to God and said, we need you here. He didn't try and do it in his own strength. Now, often we try and do that. And we might have done that in 2023, where it's been all about us trying to find solutions and trying to find our own way and rely on ourselves. And, oh, I've tried everything. Maybe I should try and pray now. And often we learn from the ladies. The ladies are often better than us in terms of let's pray first and then see what comes. Whereas often with us men, we try and do it ourselves first. And plan D is then to pray. So let's let's be a church that really seeks God and prays for God's guidance and prays for God to even perform miracles like stopping the sun to actually um, accomplish what he needs to. Okay, and then you'll, you'll notice here as well that Joshua and his team had a lot of confidence. So they actually set out in confidence. And that's the, the, the third and final thing you need when you're on your trip is you need to go out with confidence. You need to actually get behind the wheel and, and go. And what are the things that, that can that can stop us? So in the in the natural, you could have engine failure, you could have flat tires. So if we think about our spiritual life, um, sin could be a, a bad engine. It could be engine failure. And I think that's quite an easy one to understand where we've got sin in our life can actually totally destroy our, our walk or really stop us from moving forward in our faith. 
But the more subtle ones are the flat tires, like worry. Now that that was something that I struggled with, even in this past year as well. Is is instead of living in the moment and being present and accomplishing stuff in the moment, we worrying about tomorrow or next month, or instead of sleeping properly, we worrying lying in the bed worrying about what's coming. That's a flat tire that slows us down in accomplishing what God wants for us. A.W. Tozer says, when you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. And for me, just worrying is just killing time. You know, you can have, you can have a kill time, you can kill time where you're just doing sort of nothing, but worry for me is just a total thief of time, and it's just killing time that you should either be accomplishing something or resting. Another flat tire could be temptation. Where you're not actually acting on the temptation, but the devil comes and he tempts you, and then he convicts you, not convicts you, condemns you. The Holy Spirit convicts, the devil condemns. He comes and condemns you and says, ah, you see, you got tempted. You're a failure. But you're not, if you're, Jesus was tempted as well, he didn't act on it. So don't let the devil condemn you. Condemn you. That's also like a flat tire. It slows you down. You're not accomplishing what God wants. And then the third flat tire is, is just this craziness that's going on in the world at the moment where there's gender swaps and you, know, you can let your child be a cat or a wolf at school, that sort of things I've heard. I heard one of the schools had to install a litter box now because the one child identifies as a cat. So I mean, there's just weirdness going on in the world at the moment. And we as Christians must be careful not to compromise and, and slip into the ways of the world. Because that is like a flat tire. That will also slow us down on our journey. We've got to be the ones standing up and saying, no, this is not right. Um, and take a stand and say, let's look at the Bible. What does the Bible say? Take a stand against these these things of the world that are creeping in. And it's getting more difficult. I'm grateful both my kids are out of school, but I know what's going on in the schools is, is very difficult. And you, you know, you're really seen as a, as a problem parent if you go up against these things. So we need to be praying against this and really making sure we take a stand. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 3, please. We put This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. So we've really got to be careful that we, you know, we can do a hundred good things as a church and we just do one bad thing and we're seen as a cult or a failure. So we've really got to work hard to make sure that we're not causing anybody to stumble. Right, so we'll also, last thing I want to share is the fact that then Joshua, he didn't leave it all up to God. He also had to do something. So we must also not say, well, I'm handing over my whole life and everything to God and I'll just sit here until he tells me what to do. We've also got to take a step and move on. So if we look in verse 6, sorry, Joshua 1, verse 6, be strong and courageous for you shall cause these people in, uh, not that one. see what numbers there. I'm just going to look here. Okay, my NLT here says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. So Joshua still had to do the leading. So God was there and God was controlling and God was guiding him, but Joshua still had to take the lead and he still had to lead the people. So 
for 2024, we need to be people that are going to be front-footed and using the opportunities, using the time that God's given us. We've got an extra day, remember, so that's good. But we've still only got 366 days in next year to really make a, a difference. And Joshua took time to read God's word daily. That's an important part of us seeking God and listening to God is getting into his word, praying to him on, on a daily basis. And in the last scripture, John 9 verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So we think we've got lots and lots of time, but we don't know. And you know we've probably all got friends or relatives or acquaintances that have lost someone over this period, and you just don't know how long you've got with someone. And we think, oh, I've got to reach out to that neighbor, and we've got to have him for dinner sometime. And then a month later, he's gone, and you've missed that opportunity. So we've really got to use those opportunities now in this coming year to reach the lost, to get out to people. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite uh, authors, enough had been thought and said and felt and imagined. It was about time that something should be done. So we can talk and we can plan, but we've actually got to step out and get something done. So my last question to you is, are you starting 2024 with Jesus?